Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. We have an awesome episode for you today, but we just want to remind you before the episode starts that if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, please leave your comments in the Q&A section under this episode. If you're listening on Apple, Google, or anywhere in between, please tweet Gary at Gary V. Make sure you join the Discord to stay up to date on all things V Friends, and we hope you enjoy this episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Yeah, it's uh, thanks for having me. Um, if you probably remember, because you always remember everything, I was with you at 4Ds in 2019, fall of 2019. We were ready as a family. We was like, all right, we're ready. Blank slate. You said you're an amazing opportunity. Um, pandemic hit. We kind of went half in. And yeah. so we, we kind of got out of Canada. We got down to Michigan. We realized that still wasn't what we wanted. And so um, March of 2021, we decided let's go all in. So we played out the thesis. We sold the house. We moved down south. Um, we're renting. Went all in on TikTok. All in on TikTok. Like so many people have heard before, it started going really well for us. Because uh, when we moved down here, I didn't have a job. So we're like, maybe we yeah. can push into this. And uh, so it went really well. Um, and then Instagram started building on the back of that. And just recently, YouTube's building on the back of that. So since March 21, uh, we're at like 800 million views, um, almost, I think, over 700,000 on TikTok. Now, Instagram and, and YouTube are just getting rolling now, but they're almost both at 90,000 each uh, for followers, subscribers. So, and it's been amazing. Like, it, it's, it's been amazing for us as a family. It's opened up some opportunities. Right now, it's a very nice little side hustle, um, but we're really enjoying it. And I think for as a family where we want to go, so now we're not just as you preach, get in it, you know, get in it, get in it. And you've been saying this for years, but now we're, you know, 800 million views, not even a year in. We think that, OK, this can go from a nice little hobby to maybe we can actually make this into something more. And so would the strategy change much? And of course, I, I know you keep putting in the work. I mean, of course, <laughs> I know you're going to say that and be patient, uh, of course. But I want to be smart as well. So as we keep doing the work as a small to medium sized creator influencer, um, how can we be smart so that in the next six months, to the next year, we can keep building on this and possibly making a career out of it? Look, I mean, I think the reality is it comes down to only two things. One, continue to put out meaningful content in as many places as possible. Um, two, try to get major brands to sponsor early and lock you in. So going from a side hustle to something more meaningful comes with the foundation of like, can we get the finances that allow us to get there? Right. Mm -hmm. Can, you know, and one of the ways to do that is to go to a Nike or Pepsi or, you know, uh, any Walmart, any large business, or not even one of those top five, but even a top 5,000 company and say, look, you should sponsor our family's content, right? And sponsorship comes in the form of like actually being able to extract bigger dollars, maybe even before you own them. Mm -hmm. Meaning even before you're there, somebody could decide to give you $500,000 to but, you know, especially as a family content play, like Best Buy might just be in the mood to 
write you a bigger check, you know? And so I think that there's two ways to go about this. One, business develop and try to get macro sponsorship deals that allow you the finances that you allude to by going all in. And the other part is the mundane. It is, you know, why I've lost some weight here in the first three weeks of the year. If you do the right things, you know, they, it will work out. And the longer you do them, the longer they work out. And the more you pump out content on YouTube shorts and TikTok and Instagram, and do you start a podcast? Do you do an interactive show like I'm doing right now? Do you build a discord to put your community in there, interact more? It is really just the blocking and talent uh, tackling that is required to build something meaningful. Reading all the comments right now from all the you know, uh, people on YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook right now, you know, and definitely because I've been in NFT land, I'm just flabbergasted by people's absurd interest in things happening immediately. So many people are about to lose so much money in NFT land, not because of anything else, but their own short-term greed and want to make a quick buck. Yeah. So, so, at the four D's, the strategy was 7,000, 8,000 messages on LinkedIn. Um, so same thing, um, same, same thing, thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. Connected yeah. with as many CMOs that you think, yeah. chief marketing officers that you think yeah. make sense, that would be interested in your family and like, yeah. you know, which businesses benefit by having products yeah. or associations with you. Yeah. Yeah. So. So if it comes up with your talk with the CMO of Gatorade today, we're available. <laughs> I love you, brother. I'm going to try so, to get to a so, bunch of them today. Okay, one more, real oh, quick. Wow. Can, can I play wild card real quick? So because, and I'll make it real, real quick. When I was with you, my my 15 year old was 6'11". Now he's 17, 71. And so I know a lot of people are watching this. Uh, we're down in the South. He's starting to get on the radar because we came from Canada. No one knew who sure. he is. And of course, I'm his dad. He's a special kid. He's starting to get some uh, college interest. What's, what's, what, what's his Instagram? Uh, so if you go to thattallfamily.com, then we'll you'll be able to there. pull everything else. There's a video of Carter on there. If you watch that video, you can get to us and all of his links are on there as well. That's all family if you're recruiting a 7-1 beast. Thanks, Rob. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Hey, Gary. How are you? I'm very well, Tatiana. How are you? Well, uh, I'm super grateful. Thank you for the opportunity to, to be here. It means a lot. My, my heart is like boom, boom, boom right now. <laughs> Very sweet. Um, I want to say I'm from Peru, and right now I'm in a small city called Trujillo. And it's Trujillo. fantastic because your book right here is in Peru right now. And that's my question for today. Um, I'm a virtual educator. And when COVID came, you told everyone, create an account on TikTok and make content. So I did that. And then I was loose, like I didn't know how to, what, what can be the next step in my professional career. And I discovered creating content that I really love learning and teaching other people. And then I decided to study for a master in virtual education. Because I also discovered that, hey, everyone will be studying online, not physical. And right now in my small city here in Peru, I see all the time academies or universities, college, are 
empty and yes. everyone is studying online. So my yes. question is, as a virtual educator, what is the best approach uh, I should take to innovate in education with in Web3? Because then you told us what uh, I remembered, like if it were yesterday, you told what is an NFT and why I'm buying these NFTs. And I also have here my iPad because I love digital drawing and I create some uh, gift like passion panda gift and helpful epo gift uh, you use sometimes uh, um, that gifts also on Twitter. Yes. And and well, it's my passion too. So you always teach us in your book to combine traits. Yes. And I want to combine education with NFTs and Web3. So that's my, my question. One of the things you can do is you can start an education course where after the people complete the course, they get an NFT. It's their diploma. You can go and find some emerging artists to design these diplomas. Somebody might pay for a course, but when they're done, they get a diploma from an emerging artist, and then maybe four years later, and it doesn't have to actually be the diploma, it's just a piece of NFT as like a diploma, but it, it's a piece of art, a collectible. One of those artists, a young lady from Peru, a guy from Britain, you know, a guy from Nigeria, that person may go on to become famous or somewhat famous. So now all of a sudden somebody pays $500, $1,000 for a course, they get their education, they're given a diploma, but instead of a piece of paper or an internet email receipt, they get a NFT. You, as the person at the top, spend a lot of time trying to find some emerging artists that you really believe in, but they're still emerging. So for a very low cost, they make this art. 17 years later, that person becomes Beeple or Xcopy or the founder of World of Women. And all of a sudden, this person says, wait a minute, my diploma's worth $4,000? What's going on here? I don't think people understand how many things are gonna be happening with NFTs. I just made that up on the spot for you. That is an actually strong idea. I think receipts, diplomas, affirmations that come in email form or paper form today can be flipped on their head, innovated on, and created as nice pieces of collectible arts that support emerging artists. So as the organization now, not only are you giving your student something that maybe, not likely, but maybe has some value in the future, but on the flip side, you also give the artist the royalties or split the royalties with them. So now you sold the course for a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, a million bucks, whatever it is, but now you're 50-50 partners with the artist on the royalties. That artist goes on to have a good career and that person sells their diploma for $3,000. You know, all of a sudden, if you put a 10% royalty on that, you and the artist just got $150 in Ethereum or Solana or wherever you put it on. There's a lot more coming with NFTs. Right now, everyone is thinking about it a specific way. Adam says, use the NFT to the course. A lot of people are thinking that, right? A lot of people are like, buy this NFT, it gives you that. People are seeing that my conference ticket, other things. People get that. I think it's the innovations, the after the fact. Here's your affirmation that something happened. I'm giving you this. A receipt from an internet company? Who wants that? Doesn't mean anything. But in the form of a potential collectible? Fascinating. And definitely in the form of a diploma? Very fascinating. That's my innovation. That's great. I will do it. Just 
I believe you. Give me some time and I will show you. Email <laughs> me when great. you do it. Love the See idea. Bye bye. Love you. Bye bye. Uh, next, going to bring on Joseph. This is the one from Twitter that you're like, get this guy on. <laughs> well, I'm excited. I don't remember. I, I, I you know, Joseph, oh, yeah. you, you clearly, you got me excited. Clearly, Joseph, how are you? Good, good. So I discovered you in 2020, first episode of Tea with Gary Vee. So just really? a full circle moment. Yeah. So much gratitude. Speaking, speaking of which, everybody, if you're on right now, please share the link that you have on Twitter, on Facebook, share the share on LinkedIn. Let's let's have some more people discover. This is a great community. I love being a part of it. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, so a little bit of a backstory. I started playing music when I was 11, became obsessed with it, started playing seven, eight hours a day. Uh, that passion led me to go to Berklee College of Music, graduated from there. Um, in 2015, I started creating custom music for personal ads TV. A year later, my music got onto Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Since then, it's been on many networks, ABC, Nickelodeon, CBS, uh, all the three-letter TV networks. I've done music for podcasts for Jeff Morrow from Food Network, so multiple um, episodes of that. Um, on the side, I teach music privately and I mentor up-and-coming songwriters. So my question for you is, I want to go more on the offense finding clients for custom music. Uh, and I know I need to be more consistent with social media, but if you were me, how would you find new clients that help generate revenue consistently in an industry that's more typically one-off licensing? Um, by being more consistent with content on social media. Good answer. <laughs> Joseph, the reason I just did that is I want everybody to replay what just happened. If you even, there's something very fascinating about either needing affirmation from somebody that you admire, uh, repeating something to oneself. You know, the fact that you know the answer and you stated it in your question. Hey, Gary, da, 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 da. and now I know I need to stay consistent with more, da, 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 right? That moment you and I just had is the single most important moment. Like I want my team to cut that. I'm going to put it on Instagram and TikTok. It is the most important moment, my friend. I am wildly simple. I say my stuff. I say it over and over again, but people don't hear it because they don't want to do the thing that I'm saying. It's funny that there was a fitness guy on, right? Like everybody knows how to get into better shape. It is eat healthy and cleaner, right? And put in work in the gym. Literally, that's it. But we will fucking inject implants into our ass, drink ciders and vinegars, fucking take weird ass pills that we have no idea what the fuck they're about. I say every day right now that 98 to 99% of NFTs are going to zero. Nobody hears it. They're buying, they're just looking to make 2000 bucks on a snail with a fucking liquor pipe in its mouth. Like, like, like nobody here, like I can, I will say it 9,000 times. And when the market does crash, everyone's gonna be like, Gary. And I'm like, I fucking said 99% of this shit's going to zero every fucking day. I have sat here for 15 years saying, if you make content consistently at scale on the platforms that people are paying attention to for you, YouTube Shorts, TikTok, Instagram. It's just massively important. If you follow what I wrote in the thank you economy 100 years ago, if you reply to everybody that's talking about music jingles and music on Twitter and just join the conversation, literally search, you know, music and like jingles and like, you know, whatever, you know, what you know your terms to your business, 
and you just sit there for two hours and say, hey, I know something about that. You're using the wrong key. Or did it, like bringing value, not even saying like, hire me, hire me. You know, that's why I wrote a book called Jab, 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 Right Hook. Give value, give value, give value, and then say, hey, by the way, I do this for a living. LinkedIn is an incredible place for you. Incredible. I talked about LinkedIn at nausea on this platform and have continued to talk about it. How much LinkedIn content are you making? I'll save you time. None. Right? I post about three times a week on LinkedIn. So I need to be posting. Not bad. Not bad. No, listen, honestly, I'm happier about that. That's that's a great number for you. I really thought it was going to be zero. But 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 you know, like, you know, it's kind of like push-ups, like 13's better than three. And then the question becomes, what do you post? And for me, it's like, you know, posting things like here's how I think about providing the most value when I write music for someone and then a manifesto, which gives me an insight on the other side of Vayner. Look, I run fucking VaynerX. We want to buy music all the time. If I see that in my stream, and this happens to me all the time, if I see that in the stream, I just hit the link and send it to our music rights buyer. Cool. This is just very important, right? Like when you've given me the answer to my question, in the question like you just did, then you fucking know what to do. Find a way to make it more fun for you so that you can fucking do more of it. Perfect. Most of the people that I expose to on social media are musicians and songwriters, so they're not typically the clients that I would go to. Let me teach you something that's gonna help a lot of people here. Thank you for saying that. The way I think about things is making content that the audience that I'm exposed to that is forwardable to the person I want to get to. Let me give you an example. I put out a lot of content around the mindset of parents really pushing college agenda on kids without really looking at their kid. I make the content specific to knowing the kind of thing that the kid that consumes it would share to their parent. When I make the content, I'm thinking, yes, kid, you're going to see this, but I'm going to make it in a way that's going to make you share it to your parent. That's very different. So the content isn't like, hey, kids, parents suck, right? Yeah. No, no. It's, it's intricate so that it brings value to the parent. I'm making it for the parent, but I'm making it in a way that I know the kid's going to be the one that sees it and will forward it to the parent. And the content will not make the parents say, fuck this guy, even though usually they do say that because there's such a big ideology of college. I need you to know that, okay, I have music people in front of me, but I'm gonna make this piece of content for them with the thought that they may be the gateway to bring me exposure to who I'm trying to get to. So valuable, thank you so much. You see what I'm doing there? It's your, uh, I'll give you an example. I've, VaynerMedia has made content that's trying to reach 60 year old dads and we've made TikToks that we know 14 year old daughters are gonna see and share it with their dad. There's a lot more strategy to the shit I do then people realize that's an insight to it right there. That's beautiful. One more question for you, Gary. Real fast. Which Vayner company is hiring music composers and where can I send my credentials? Send it Send it to Gary at VaynerMedia.com. I'll take okay. care of it. I appreciate you. See you at VCon, Gary. Thank you. Can't wait. How's it going, Gary? Miles, what's good? It's crazy to be on here. I've been a long time listener, so uh, really happy to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. You'll, you'll love to hear this first. I was lucky enough to get a koala from the book game drop. Dropped it. Like you got, you got like, I got it. Yep, holy shit. Yeah. You, you got a keynote koala. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. It's a, um, 
bubblegum background, marble frame, but I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good one, bro. Did you, yeah. uh, and you've taken note obviously of the date on the briefcase and the whole night. Yeah. I've taken note. I'm, I'm, you know, I have the, you know, you go through in your head what you think it can be. So I have some theories up there, but um, I'm excited for all of it. I'm glad you're going to hold on to it or do you need the money? No, I'm, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that right now. Um, to, to your point on like 99% of these NFTs, you know, going to zero or however you say it. Um, you know, I, I couldn't be right there more in that thinking is that um, long-term you got to find founders and executors that can yeah. actually build out I mean, stuff. Inter every internet stock in 98, 99 and 2000 was overpriced, but sitting there was Jeff Bezos and he got hammered. His fucking stock got destroyed, destroyed in that. But he sat there and he's like, cool, I'm just going to keep navigating. Same for me, right? Like if all V friends, which listen, if there's a, if, and I think there will be, but I could, I've been wrong many times. If there's an NFT crash overall, a it's a correction. Yeah. You know, a, 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 it's a correction. It's not a elimination, right. you know, and V friends go down. I'm just sitting there like, okay, it's time to like, you know, I've been here before. Yeah. Nine, nine 11 took crushed wine library. 9-11, all our business was Wall Street. 9-11 crushed wine library. 2008 economic crash. We had tens of millions of dollars on wine pre-sales. Lehman Brothers crashes. We get eight trillion cancellations. It crushed us. It crushed us. COVID. Like I fucking have been here. Like I've done this shit. And so I know how to get through dog shit. And there are a small percentage of operators that know. Well, I think, I think that's the, the main concern is you see all these NFT projects, not to get caught up on this because I have a separate question, but you see these projects and you wonder, well, who are the people that are leading this thing and what is the value that they're going to provide long term? And um, by, the way, that, by the way, that happens in startup land all the time. Yeah. I pass on most startup pitches I look at, right? Mm -hmm. And 99% of the time, those companies go out of business. The people that lose money in that scenario are the investors. Yeah. yeah. What I'm worried about is the people that are going to lose money this time are the buyers of these buyers. NFTs. And I don't think a lot of them understand how high risk this all is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I'll get into my question. I'd like to give a little bit of context first. So my brother and I own and operate a small manufacturing company in New Orleans uh, called Boyle Boss. Currently, we have two niche consumer products. They're very specific to boiling seafood. So they help with the- To boiling seafood. Okay. Yeah. So like think like big crawfish. Yeah, shrimp. I get it. I know that culture. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So in about a month or two, we're going to hopefully have our third product on the market, which we're really excited about. My brother's been working super hard on that product development. Um, and so my question is, we have a small team right now, just three people. <laughs> yes. And what I'm focused on now is building out the systems and processes and generally just trying to get- organized to better cope with the anticipated volume. Obviously, as you know, there's a ton that goes on behind the scenes to get a product out the door. It's like, I, I did not appreciate it until I, I started this about a year yeah, ago with my it's brother. Real stuff. Yeah, it's, it's real stuff. And it's, it's been a challenge, but that's something I've been impressed with is your ability to go and actually execute in the operations. Yeah. I'm an op, you know, it's so funny. Like when everyone's like, he's a motivational speaker, he's an influencer. He's I'm like, motherfucker, I'm an operator. Yeah. Well, well that, and I honestly, that's always like when I'm, when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, I wish there was more conversations about the behind the scenes operations. You know, I'll take, I'll take note of that. My friend, I will really, I really think you're right. And I think I need to, you know, T does it a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, I talk a lot about it from the HR side, right? 12 and a half has really gone there. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, you know, and you know this, 
finding a way to communicate operations and content is challenging. It is meetings yeah. and decisions. Meetings and decisions. Yeah, it's, meetings it's not glamorous at all. Yeah, it's like like, and a lot of times, like it's like you know, but it's it's just meetings and and decisions. It's like, do we open another office? Yes, no. Do we innovate a new division? Yes, no. Do we put more money into analytics or strategy department? You know, like there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so I so I guess just to get to the to the actual question, I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about your experience tactically in the early days with building out processes, delegating work, um, and generally just being able to free yourself and set your employees up for success. Because I think that's the part where we're sort of- Well, you're not there yet. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when VaynerMedia was less than 15 people for the first two years, I didn't have to think about that shit. I just did everything. Yeah. Who the and fuck I are you delegating to? You've got three of you. Right. Yeah, well, so I, I, I guess the- ch are you more talking about maximizing the efficiency of your time when there's only three of you? I, I think that's more of what yeah, it is. That's we're, we're actually manufacturing all the products. Like right now, I, I did hire somebody in February who's been awesome and he's helping with production on one of the product lines. I'm doing all the production on the other product line. And so it's really maximizing the efficiency. Um, and you know, as we, our, our goal is to scale via coming up with totally new to world products. So we have patents on our current products, but we want to just keep pumping out new products. You want and, to? Yeah, we want to. Why? Um, I, we love the, you know, truthfully, you like we, it? Love the, we love the process of inventing good. Right, and coming out with stuff. Well, good. I mean, one thing that I like opening businesses, I like doing a hundred things. One thing you have to do mentally is understand that if that's what you love, you will drop the ball. Yeah. If you're going to invent 17 things, like 12 things are going to get fucked. And as long as you understand that, you'll actually not stress on things that don't matter. I am a voracious entrepreneur and have a voracious need to open up companies. I have to then also understand that Vayner Live, Vayner Sampling, and many other Vayners that nobody hears about here failed because when you're doing 39 things, that's what's going to happen. Those divisions failed with, within VaynerMedia, mm -hmm. right? I tried to do yeah. small business stuff before, then finally Sasha worked. But, you know, somebody says focus on one product first. Susan, that works for her. That's, that's good for Susan. That's not good for you and your brother. And you shouldn't because you know that you, and, and how do I know this? Because you said just now in a way that landed for me, you know, we just enjoy the process of inventing. And I think people don't understand what we should all be doing out here is enjoying it more so than maximizing every dollar. There are people who love their business at 3 million a year and then think they need to grow and go to 4 million, but they had to hire this and they had to do this and now they hate it. And I'm like, why didn't you just stay at three and be fucking happy as fuck? Yeah. I don't think everything I'm doing is always going to be the best money maker or success in the short term. But if I don't live my truth and continue to innovate every day, well, then I'm not going to be happy. And then none of the businesses are going to work. VaynerMedia is successful because I do do Gary Vee. VaynerMedia is successful 
because I do help my dad with his wine stuff. VaynerMedia is successful because B friends exist. I need everything to make me happy. Thus, the things that have clicked will work. Too many, so for you, it's hard to prioritize because you're fucking inventing so many products. But the good thing is you're actually winning because you understand that you guys love the process of inventing. And though Susan is right for herself and many others, and really even logically, right? Mm -hmm. She's not right for you two. You two would rather enjoy, and you're so damn young that you should only do the things that actually bring you the most happiness because that will actually make you win. It's okay on paper that it doesn't work for others. The reason Buster Levine just said this is exactly what I need to hear. This is a massive common problem that most people haven't dissected the way I'm talking about it right now. Well, and you know, I don't want to keep going too long because I know you got to get. No, this is no, this is a. But, I want to stay here. This is yeah, important. Yeah, I think this will help people too because I'm. I don't think we really struggle with, um, with you know, not judging ourselves on dropping balls. You know, I think when you talk about starting a manufacturing company, when you when you do come up with a product and you buy all the, you have all the overhead of machines and inventory, like you know, you got to see that one through, right? And you have Hell to. Yeah. yeah, like you have to see that through, and you have to create, in my opinion systems and processes to, to hopefully allow that to run so you can move on to the next one. And so I think that's where we've struggled to like get yep. organized. You, you, you haven't struggled. Your company's too yeah. young. Yeah. You're creating an ideology of like, we should be here. How long has the company been existing? It's been three years. It's five minutes. You know, that's five seconds, right? Yeah. It's, it doesn't feel like it, but I know. Yeah. It's five seconds. Like you've, and you've launched two products. Yes, we have two products out right now, and then um, we'll have and, a third coming. And you're profitable? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you understand how fucking hardly, amazing? But yeah. Fuck hardly. You didn't go out of business. Most yeah. people are out of business in three years. Right. And hardly is you're fucking profitable. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Like, like, cool. I'm, I'm very thrilled that you're ambitious and you're, you're, you'd like it. We all want to be better and do better, mm -hmm. but. The good news is you're not struggling with it. You just haven't gotten to it. Yep. Yep. You just haven't gotten to it. You're not struggling with it. You fucking have been doing too many things. You're like successfully entrepreneuring. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll give credit to my brother because he, he really started this thing um, from the ground up. And I think I, so since I graduated last year, I joined in. And now it's been, you know, how can we continue to grow and scale and, and free up more of our time to can work. I give, can, can I give you a huge piece of advice? Please. Never, ever, ever choose money or your own pride and ego over your brother. Yeah. Yeah. You are about to go through a thing where, you know, money is binary. Some people just love it so much that they're willing to hurt their relationship with their family. And that's very challenging. It's grounded in a lot of insecurity, but it is what it is. And like, it's kind of an easy one. The second one is harder. The need to say, bro, I did that, you did this. This kind of like feeling of competitive spirit of like, no, I, yo, bro, you came up with the invention, but that marketing campaign I did on TikTok, fucking, that's why. And to have the humility, the reason I successfully worked with my dad and my brother was it was the humility for me at the end of the day, as much as I was like, I'm the guy, da, 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 what really at the end of the day mattered was not choosing my own feelings of need of like, 
validation and money never at the end of the day, sure in little riffs, but in real life, never choosing that over the love of my brother and dad is the greatest single business accomplishment of my life and it's not even close. I appreciate you saying that. Yep. You guys are really young. You're hungry, you're ambitious, you're doing it together. You're, this is gonna be the best years of your life. You are gonna remember these days more than anything. Yep. It can go sour really fast if you do not deploy that humility and choose it because you love your brother. Got it. Yep, I appreciate it, Gary. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Hey, Gary. Hey, Derek, how are you? Good. Um, so <clears throat> I was wondering, how do you balance, you know, posting on social media to build your brand while you're still working at a company? Because most companies yeah. would view, you know, you posting on social media all day as a negative and not doing yeah. your job. So how do you kind of balance those two things? By picking a job that has good managers and leaders that don't see it that way. Yeah. You know, you have uh, to understand businesses are just made up of people. Like, for example, we don't even have a system to watch what our people are doing. I trust my people and I want good for them. I want them to be productive, but I want them to be happy. And if it makes them happy to tweet all day in between meetings, mazel tov. My father wants to ban cell phones in the liquor store. <laughs> because if somebody checks their text for one second to see if their mom or if they're if their bus is on time, my dad loses his mind. That's yeah. on my time. Two very different men, me and my dad. Th there's no chance you're tweeting all day with pops. You can fucking make unlimited content with me. And that's the world. There's a bunch of Sashas, there's a bunch of Garys. You, if you want to do what you just said, you better work for a fucking Gary. And if no. you don't, right now and it means so much to you to post well then you should start looking for another job if you're good then you're good but that is it it is that simple i like it yeah because i i i want to start being able to you know before I, I started listening to your content i wasn't um aware of the importance of building your brand you know on social media it was more of you know while i'm at work while i'm at coworkers, friends you know building my brand in person with people that I interact with every day but it's more so once I started listening to what, what you talk about, it's like, okay, if, if I do one day want to start my own business, which I do, um, starting to build that process, but you know, I, I kind of struggled with, I didn't want to do that all the time while I'm still working at, you know, a company. Look, and look, you also have to be respectful, right? You know, like doing the right thing is always the right thing. If you're getting paid and you're quietly like not working, we have some employees that are trying to be very clever at Vayner. And my big thing is like, a, I laugh because I'm like, do they think they're tricking me? <laughs> B, you know, I just want to say to them like, hey man, like doing, hey gal, like, like doing the right thing is important. Like, you know, like you will lose in the end when you don't do the right things. And so I think, you know, finding the right balance on that is very important, you know? Yeah. You know, but on the flip side, I tell a lot of my business friends, I'm like, yo, why are you mad at that person? You're fucking emailing them at all hours of the night, right? These yep. people are supposed to work nine to five, nine to six. Like you're fucking hitting them at seven and eight and nine and 10 and 11 and six. Like, so like, don't be on a fucking pedestal business owner. Like, 
your person might have, yes, spent seven minutes. You might be on the clock right now and here we are, fine. But what about at 8.30 when you email them and they have to do something for 15 minutes? Like, are you at, like people keeping score on some bullshit. Like your, your employees are your family. Yep. And, and as a business owner, if you don't see it that way, you've already lost. Hey Gary, how's it going? Osman, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. You got my name right, thank you for that. Of course, I know some Osmans. Um, so I'm from Toronto, Canada. Um, I have a small uh, recycling by the, company. By the way, literally, literally said it last night over dinner. I think my favorite city besides New York City. There we go, you know, I, I saw that St. Louis, Toronto NFT. I'm pretty sure Recon's coming here soon. There's a reason that St. Louis and Toronto is an NFT in <laughs> New France. Um, so uh, Gary, for, uh, for my question, I have a, a small recycling brokerage. We uh, sell and export uh, paper and plastics. Um, so right now I'm the first sales guy. I'm doing everything. Um, and my question was, how do I bring on uh, the first employee number one to do more sales because it's a brokerage um, and allow that person to also help the business but also grow themselves? Because it's not like you have a culture yet. It's just it's employee number one. There's so how some, do I go there's to some, business and grow? There's some people that don't need all that in place. There's a lot of people that grow more by being employee one, two, seven, nine, and 15. Then every employee that was in the first 100 employees at Vayner had more growth than every employee that comes into Vayner today, even though we have the, I have systems that I'm so proud of because you're in the trenches early, you're learning through osmosis. Okay, fair, I get that. But now in a brokerage environment, because I guess in Vayner, there's projects, right? They're, they're, they're sort of uh, yep. working on this it's project, different. working on this it's thing. Different. It's different. But in a brokerage where it's like, they're gonna be actively looking for sales and looking for clients. Um, we're not necessarily working together, we're working independently. That's right. So um, is it is the same thing? Just allow them to just grow themselves? Of course, well, no. I mean, sh look, sales, yes and no. Sales, Go, sales is real life. There's no hiding. Mm. So that's why I love it so much. Mm. You can't make pretend in sales. Okay. Right, it okay, is yeah. what it is. So of course, one of the ways to grow is to let them sink and swim, of course. But the osmosis comes in different ways. You're gonna be interacting with them as you're gonna be talking to them. Of course. And so you're gonna be analyzing. They'll be talking, you'll be thinking, and you say, hey, but maybe you wanna to try to start with this on the opening sentence. Or did you tell them about that? Or hey, did you follow up and have an in-person? Or whatever it might be. So you're doing both. It's like raising a, a capable child. A capable child needs both. Mm. It, you know, right now there's so many people that are over-parenting their kids and putting them into a bubble, making all their decisions, taking care of everything for them. Of course they can't do shit at 22, <laughs> right? Same with sales. You've got to create a framework and be a support system, but you can't fucking, you got to let them live. You've got to let them win and lose on their own sales ability. I think the thing you look for when you hire the first person is have they lived in that environment? I would hire somebody who's already been on a sales team where they were one of just two or three people because they've tasted it already. Or, or, or you go with your gut intuition and you can see the fucking flame in her or his eyes and you give him an at-bat.
sink and swim. Sink and swim. Got it. Love that. Um, sink, sink or swim, but you don't actually let them sink. You jump in the pool and save them. But you, you know, you can't teach your kid swimming by just holding them the whole time. Mm. And you can't teach sales without letting them do it. Sink or swim. Got it. Um, yeah, appreciate that. And uh, once again, uh, Gary, I think some guys mentioned before, uh, OG, uh, we friend owner. Uh, thank you for educating the community. Um, you know, 2020 is a bad year for, I think, everybody. Um, but I think buying in too early, you know, I think I'm now six figures up. Uh, so appreciate that. Going to be at VCon, Minneapolis. Can't wait. Thank you so much. Thanks, Asman. Uh, finally, we have Charles. Oh, my God. Nice hat, Charles. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good morning, Gary. Morning. Uh, sorry, I'm kind of freaking out. <laughs> Nothing to freak out about, my <laughs> But um, before I ask my question, I just want to give a huge, huge shout out to the V Friends community. Um, I like so many of others have said today. I'm one more example of one of the success stories that's come out of the V Friends drop, and um, nice. you know, I've, I've followed your content for since about 2018 and um yeah i can i can definitely say i'm one of those people who's had their lives completely fundamentally changed from your content and just a huge thank you to you and um thank you charles means a lot to me anyway um so for my question i'm kind of currently living through my 37 things you know um i've been kind of in business for myself since before covid and just done it through a hundred different, you know, selling products, flipping this, that, you know, and I definitely was able to get a huge win off of the V friends. I own two. Um, one of them was actually gifted to me, a very rare uh, driven dragon, wow. which I'm still like in shock that that ever happened. But um, yeah, uh, my question is uh, some of the best, communication practices to implement more kind candor into your day-to-day -day interactions, um, especially in business and professionally? Like, how, how do you... You know, I, I struggled with this my whole life. I talked about it in the book. I was not good at yeah. candor. I was not good at saying, hey, Susan, I don't like this. Yeah. Um, then, I, then I put the word kind in front of it and it made it easier for me. I think for all of us that struggle with candor, um, the reality is, is we have to find a way for us to be com comfortable with professional, kind, appropriate confrontation. You know, like we're avoiding confrontation either in our own insecurities or for me, it was actually, and I don't love this, but it's true. I had a level of ego, which I'm really proud that I'm mainly confidence and not ego. But in, as I broke it down and really worked through it, I realized that I thought this person wasn't good at their job. Because my, my, my issue with candor has always been employees, nobody else. Because I love them so much, I'm in family life. And I took this weird tack that, okay, now I know they're not great, but they're not great. So out there in the real world, they're gonna really do bad. So they're better off with me. And it was almost like this, you know, really like very, it seemed like a good thing, but it was like built in my own, ego like that I would be a better home for them than somewhere else. And it, it led to over 20 years, the only relationships that I have that are not positive are the ones that I wasn't able to deploy enough candor to. 
and then would surprise them when we would fire them. And it's really unfortunate, it's something I regret, and it's something I've been really working hard on. And it's been going a lot better for me, Charles, in the last two years. And what I can tell you is for me, it was when I decided it was kind candor. And with that, all of a sudden, I could really just get there. And I just realized that I was ready at 44 to get there. Um, and so for you, you just have to figure out how you can get there to actually tell somebody what you actually think. Yeah, um, I have to say, like, especially in business, some, you know, I've started many different projects since I've turned 20. And um, I've always ended up doing Excuse it me for friends. one second. Excuse me for one second. Oh, I love where you're about to go. Robin says, kind candor equals constructive criticism. Yes, but I think constructive criticism, what I try to tell people is like the word criticism in itself is already like, you know, like when you leave somebody with candor, like, you know, when you leave candor, a lot of people go with fear. They're scared when you're done talking and they're looking for a new job or they're crying at home. Like, you know, you've got to find a way to be able to make somebody feel good or at least neutral while understanding. And the, and the problem is when people hear constructive criticism, they hear the criticism part. And like, I don't think people know how to deliver feedback a lot. And that's why the word kind, I think really lands because kind is very distinct. Kind, candor, it's kind. Like, but it's candor. And, and I really, I really, you know, back to your point, and I had this too, when you're starting things with friends and family, it's really hard to tell them the truth. Like yeah, I become like family with my employees, <laughs> but I've had family and friends and sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm actually in the process of starting a business with my girlfriend right now. So it's, it's like, it's similar it's to the, the thing top I said. thing on my mind. So. <laughs> I think you over communicate now. Hey baby, I'm really wor I'm really worried about this shit. We're going into this, know me. This is be vulnerable, be naked. You know, she's already seen you naked, so you're good. You know, like be be naked, right? Like, like I'm very worried about this. I'm not good at this per se, and you're my girl. I'm gonna probably start getting resentment, then I may crack. Like, you know, you gotta really talk about it up front so that she knows what's happening as well. Uh, but then, like I said to the younger brother combo earlier, just love her more than the business. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And uh, I just want to give a couple of specific shout outs to the V friends. Uh, shout out Corso, shout out Post, shout out Brick, shout out Kelly, shout out Kali Bud, shout out Josh, and shout out NFT Jack. They've been my Thanks. homies since like day one. That's um, awesome. And the Thanks V friends. And uh, anyway, I really appreciate it. Thank Love you, you Wrapping up. See you. Love you too. Man. See you. Justin, I'll see you there. Thank you, my friend. Thanks so much for listening or watching to that episode of the Gary V Audio Experience. We really hope you enjoy it and we hope to see you next time.